Hey there, I'm Kimberly Hayes de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you are listening to a special bonus episode of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. That's right. So here's the trick. When bad things happen, as we are seeing unfolding on a daily basis, they're usually going to hit the poor first and worst, right? The people who are already struggling, the people who were already um, at capacity, hospitals, agencies, what have you. And we know that there's also in bad times, there are also a lot of people who step forward to do good things. And we wanted to just give you an informal, as we know it, roundup of just what we know today. But what we do also know is that things can change super, super fast. Right, Amanda? They sure can. <laughs> um, and as, we, as we're all witnessing from day to day, yeah, how quickly it's things true. are changing. So yeah. you may be wondering or having that feeling, oh, I want to do something. What can I do? I want to do something. And Or you may be so stressed about what's going on in your family that you would welcome a break to try something. So what we're suggesting here is that if you're a grant pro, a grant manager, grant writer, development director, executive director, grant manager for a city, um, you, you have a lot on you right now. And we know that that's not even counting all the ways that you're being pulled in, in different directions by family, friends, staff members. So we're just wanting to reach out with what we know now and uh, maybe give you a leg up on what to do next. Very good. Um, and like Kimberly said, things are changing so quickly. I think it's really important to point out that um, Kimberly and I are recording this episode the afternoon of Thursday, March 26. So that way, if you happen to be listening to this a week later and things are vastly different, you're like, <laughs> you understand that that's because things really have changed so much. Um, and for our regular listeners, um, Kimberly and I are definitely practicing safe social distancing. We are not oh, yeah. in our normal studio. Girl, we we're not, not even in, we're not even in this we're not even in the same county. Can we just say that? No, we are not. not even in the same no. county. We are not. So we are recording both from our homes. Um, so we'll go ahead and give that fair warning that it's quite possible that a child or a spouse may suddenly pop in, even though we've given them all warnings to stay quiet around our studio space at the moment, right? Um, but just so you know, it's not our normal studio recording space. Nope. Sound may not be quite as at the level of quality you're used to, but we figured at this point in time, getting information that's relevant and to you quickly was way more important than waiting till it was safe to go out in public again. That's true. They are they have smart, smart people and are probably very well accessorized even as we speak. So I'm just, they got this. <laughs> so again, I just want to let all y'all know, we are summarizing what we know right now. And then we're going to provide in our show notes section um, a short list of trustworthy original source links so that you can take them and bookmark them and keep checking back. Because I don't know about you, but I am all about, can I go to the source? Can I go to the folks that we know have been doing this for a long time and are not trying to sell some miracle cure mask or something like that, in addition to telling us about grants? I'm not naming names, but anyway. Um, so that's what this is about. 
Yeah. And like Kimberly says, we will provide um, all these links in our show notes. If you want to find them, you go to our website, which is www.fundraisingheyday.com. And Heyday is H-A-Y-D-A-Y. Then if you click on the episode tab, there is a whole section called the COVID-19 bonus episodes. And you can find a link to each of the podcast episodes we did on the different topics, as well as show notes under each of those. So you can uh, have everything right at your fingertips because we're going to share a lot of resources. A lot of the websites are really too long to try to mention on here. So we're just going to say, hey, you can find this exact episode episode website here. Exactly. So let's go ahead and dive into, we're, we're going to share both some private and public resources. Um, and we're going to start off with my pal Kimberly, who is the private funding guru extraordinaire. So <laughs> what have you yeah. got on the, first on the private all, side? First of all, okie dokie guru. No, but <laughs> I tell you what, like a lot of, a lot of grant professionals and fundraising and development professionals, I'm all about researching and seeing what's out there and trying to make connections. So here's some things that I think could be useful for you, particularly in the nonprofit sector of grant writing and fundraising. And then Amanda and I will um, uh, talk more about the federal response in just a minute. But here's the, the trick. With private responses, and by that I mean private foundation responses um, in, in the form of grants, What's going on right now is the big old, your mileage may vary. So I've been look. I know you're like, oh, thanks, Kimberly. That's so helpful. But let me explain. So as you might imagine, there's an association for everything. And there's an association of community foundations. And it's called the Community Foundation Public Issues Initiative. That just rolls right off the tongue. And that it's at commfoundations.com again. The link is going to be in our show notes. But according to them, about $240 million has come through in response from 170 community foundations in the United States as of the wow. afternoon of, again, as of the afternoon of, um, where are we, 326, Thursday afternoon. A lot of this is partnering with local foundations and United Ways, donor advised funds, other kinds of ways to create what is often being called in these 170 community foundations, a COVID-19 emergency fund. Here's the thing. They're creating this fund. For some of them, I have seen they, they already have a very short uh, online applications that are maybe one or two questions. Um, some are still getting it together. Some are waiting to build the fund to a certain level before they release funding. What I have seen generally has been a COVID-19 emergency fund related to things like lost wages, unemployment, um, food and housing insecurity, those kind of more direct needs. But what I, well, but, but what I can't say, Amanda, is Everyone is doing the exact same thing, the exact same way, and here are all the deadlines. I cannot say that, but I can say that I am feeling very positive about the the approach that these community foundations and many other private foundations have taken. I've also, I'm not going to name names here, but I've also um, read um, email responses because I subscribe to a bunch of newsletters from foundations. And it's saying things like, we are sheltering safely in place until the end of April. They're, They're sending that out to their grantees. And I'm like, 
wow, y'all, how, how, how nice, as we, we might say down here, how nice, that's so nice. What are you doing for your grantees while you're sheltering safely in place? And I'm just putting that out there. Some of them are saying things like, oh, hey, you know what? Take all your grants right now and convert them into general operating funds. And that is beautiful. And I will name a name there. And that is the Health Forward Foundation that's based in Kansas City and only funds in the Kansas City area. So I'm just giving you it's a it's a regional foundation there. But they sent out an email saying, hey, what a great. Oh, my God. Yes. It's like use it for what you need. It's a great shining example. Oh, it is. And I'm I'm real proud of the um, Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. They sponsor with the United Way of Greater Atlanta and a whole host of well, well healed, well asseted. That's probably not a word. (laughs) Um, Foundations in the Atlanta area that are coming together and um, trying to build like a $10 million fund for relief. But no money is going out yet as I know, as I know of. That being said, they're putting it together. And you know what? These are agencies, at least in the Atlanta area, I can vouch for, not known for their super short and easy granting processes. And it gives me hope that they're coming together to do. I mean, it really does. My my glass might be, most days right now, my glass is half empty. My glass may be half full today. We don't even know. So if you are looking for funding, as a, and you're a nonprofit and you're focusing more on private funding, you may want to check out, there's a, there's a sort of a live link, a live document on the um, Community Foundation Public Issues Initiative. I mean, bless them, but they should really rethink that name. Um, and it's, uh, we'll have the link on our website and it's a blog post where they, they list community foundation activity by state. And if you're in a larger state, nice. like, like Georgia, you have multiple community foundations. Again, I'm not saying that this is the encyclopedia of all known funds, but it's a good place to start if you are trying to monitor or if you're a consultant serving clients in multiple states. This could be a good place to start a solid listing. No one's trying to sell you anything. They're just trying to get information out there. Um, And I've noticed that some of their listings include both members of the association and folks um, community foundations rather that were not listed on their membership list. I just did a quick check. So it seems like they're doing a really trying to um, pull that all together. And I think having it in a central place so that anyone who's listening to this podcast, who is looking for funding in the United States, let me just say that that's where you would go. Um, Another trusted resource that is, I found very, um, um, comforting and real and on it in terms of analysis of how all the breaking COVID response funding is affecting nonprofits is the National Council of Nonprofits. And as you might imagine, their um, website is called the Council of Nonprofits.org. There's a, there's a big shock. So um, <laughs> I would say that, 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 again, they've been around for a long time. They are specializing in this kind of analysis and what I would like to do is go through an analysis that they have already put out online and you can also subscribe. So again, we're wanting to give you resources where you can subscribe and get those updates because they will be a changing, but I wanted to do a quick run through as of today on what is included as of today in the coronavirus aid relief and economic security act 
called the CARES Act. And now we're sort of segueing into federal funding, but it's federal funding that may have profound implications for certain nonprofits, okay? And Mm -hmm. after I go through this, Amanda's also going to take over and tell you where you can find the actual copies of these bills. And as of today, as of right now, they're really, really close to an agreement. But I don't if they're voting, they're voting on it today, right now. It it is it's not been, you know, ratified and appropriated and, and, and ready to move forward. And it's also a thousand pages long. So I'm not going to read it out loud to you. Let me just hit some highlights and let you know that I'm finding, again, good, clear information from the National Council of Nonprofits. So um, you have probably heard that as a part of the CARES Act, there is an emergency small business loans program, and they're defining emergency loans of up to $10 million for eligible nonprofits, small businesses, um, permitting them to cover the cost of payroll, debt service, and other operations. And then there's a, a, a phrase or a clause in it right now that provides that the loans be forgiven in whole or in part under certain circumstances. So it could be kind of a loan, but guess what? I don't know what those certain circumstances are. So again, if you're thinking that you might need a small business loan as a nonprofit, I would urge you to follow this closely. And once it is ratified and signed, because I'm sure there's all sorts of deal making and hands, well, not handshaking, uh, virtual handshaking going on right now to finalize this. But again, could be an option for payroll and operations costs, could be a loan that could be forgiven, lots of coulds. Um, The um, economic injury disaster loan is also a part of this CARES Act. And it's um, if passed, then it would eliminate some credit worthiness requirements and then put an additional 10 billion with a B into the economic injury disaster loans program so that nonprofits could get checks for $10,000 within three days. Here's the trick. Wow. Well, it's a wow. And I, it, 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 first of all, it hasn't been passed yet. It's not out there. You can't apply for it yet. And as we get, I'm reading out a host of things, but what I noticed when I started reading the summaries of this, the CARES Act, and then the other act, the Families First Act that was actually signed and ratified, I think the 20th, there's some contradictions and I'm going to point them out, but I just want to let you know that there could be help. We are talking about federal government assistance, which I think is super well-intentioned, but on execution, I don't know, Amanda, I'm, if I were holding up, if I were, I feel like I'd be an ice skating judge holding up, you know, eight out of 10, eight out of 10 for intention, two out of 10 for execution. I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to do the best they can, but you know, it's a big bureaucracy. So let's just take a breath and let's talk about a couple of other aspects of cares that, that could be coming forth very, very soon. For self-funded nonprofits and unemployment, there you could get reimbursed for half the cost of benefits. Um, again, if you fall into that category, there's actually on um, the Council of Nonprofits, there's a separate blog post about that too. And I am not a policymaker and I am not uh, a government attorney specialist, but I'm just pointing out what's out there and where you can go find more information if it applies to you. Another thing that could be important for nonprofits is a charitable giving incentive that's a part of the CARES Act that includes an above-the-line deduction 
that uh, for total charitable contributions of up to $300 that would apply to contributions made in 2020 could be claimed on tax forms next year, depending on who you are and how your online and uh, individual donors operate. This could be, if this is passed, this could be information to share with them and with the idea that maybe encouraging giving right now, there would be an extra uh, tax incentive for them. Um, I know that's not why most people give, but again, it's just more information for you. Um, there's also an employee retention payroll tax credit. It's a refundable credit for up to $5,000 for each employee on the payroll when certain conditions are met. And here's the ding, ding, ding. Here's the trick thing. No, it says here, and I'm just going to read it. Notably, employers receiving emergency SBA or small business administration loans would not be eligible for these credits. So, so I think one of the, both. <laughs> you can't have your cake and eat it too, apparently. But I'm just saying it's 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 the time for folks who love reading that small print, for grant managers, for grant writers, for book nerds, all, all of my people. Y'all rise up at an appropriate social distance and read the fine print because that's where you can really, really help people figure things out. Um, there's also an industry stabilization fund. You probably read about this or heard about this. This is about um, like $425 billion with a B to help airlines and other eligible businesses. It's unclear whether nonprofits qualify for industry stabilization loans. Um, the, if it does say that if not in the current edition of the CARES Act, um, nonprofits accepting the mid-sized business loans must retain at least 90% of their staff at full compensation. So again, it's not the two-question online application for COVID-19 emergency response funds that we're seeing from community foundations, but there, there could be some potential relief for nonprofits, but there are a lot of um, details and definitely there are a lot of strings attached to this. And if you apply for one program, you may not be eligible for another. Um, so I think for now, I would turn it over um, to talking about the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. And that was the one that was already passed. But here's the thing, there are things in that act that conflict with the CARES Act that I just talked about. So let me just summarize that. And then Amanda can tell you, you know, where to find these things and, and, and more details about how to track and what to watch. Does that sound okay, Amanda? Sounds good to me. All right, here we go. Families First Coronavirus Response Act is HR 6201. And Amanda will tell you why it's important to know that little letter number combo. So this bill, it, it, I would I would say complex. Um, it's there's some temporary paid leave mandates, employer reimbursement provisions, as well as some funding for free coronavirus testing, food nutrition security, and unemployment extension. I'm not going to go through all the particulars because again, the CARES Act in certain ways counteracts some of these things that were in here. But just hitting the highlights, if you are working with agencies that provide food or help people access federal um, entitlement programs, I think the, the biggest um, plus in this is that they are saying that the state can 
request a, a waiver for temporary emergency funding for SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, that a long time ago um, used to be called food stamps. Okay, so they're relaxing some of those in-person requirements and reporting right now just to make sure that people are able to get um, the, the EBT cards and other things to access food. They also pumped in about $900 million for the um, special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children, and that is the WIC program. If you are at an agency or work for an agency that serves the kind of uh, populations that would be already enrolled in WIC programs, they've relaxed some of those requirements. A a lot of it has to do with you don't need to show up in person to um, get recertified gosh, what was it, every two weeks or so, they're relaxing that. Um, There's also um, some different uh, relief included in the child and senior food and nutrition part of Families First, which is, again, is Families First the act, not Families First, the nonprofit. I just want to be clear. And um, there's some extra funding for the emergency food assistance program, and that's called TFAP, and that helps local food banks purchase food and store it and distribute it. So it's it's per, it's, uh, it's definitely pertinent to what's going on. Um, it also gives the Secretary of Agriculture um, for the for the different states to uh, make, waive certain requirements and do, and do some other things to just keep that uh, food and assistance flowing out to people who need it. So that was my uh, whirlwind tour of legislative acts and things and coming up. And so I know it's like, okay, I'm going to take a sip of water now. And Amanda is just going to fill you in on all the good information about how to track this and um, some other things that have come up and what might be uh, good, particularly maybe, Amanda, maybe for more local government approaches. Would that be fair? Yes, absolutely. All right. Take it away, Um, girl. Okay. So I I spent some time playing around trying to find the different ways you can easily access this information. And sadly, I have yet to find one go-to spot that has everything all nicely tied up in a beautiful package. Shocker. I'm shocked. I am so shocked. Oh, I know. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about a couple of different places you can look to find things. And I'll kind of talk about my experience with each. Um, So first of all, you probably heard that the COVID-19 stimulus package appropriations bill um, has recently making its way and I believe has been approved now. Um, so we'll give you a link to both the congress.gov site that has information about the bill is also a link to the PDF of the bill itself. So if you wanted to go through and read it, um, a couple of highlights um, of looking through it this morning, um, the bill does include 20 million for small business association disaster loans. Um, and this money is basically available until it gets expended, not a deadline on that. Um, They are giving the Centers for Disease Control $2.2 billion with a B for their CDC-wide activities. Um, So basically, however they need it to make sure that they keep functioning. Um, But of that $2.2 billion, they are required to give not less than $950 million in the form of grants and cooperative agreements um, to be made available to states, localities, territories, tribal organizations, um, and some other health service providers um, so that these folks can work and get money for 
for surveillance, epidemiology, laboratory capacity, infection control, all that kind of good stuff that we want our health departments and um, folks to be doing. Um, and so, and of that $950 million, they're supposed to make available $475 million within 30 days of the act being passed. So this money is going to be coming out quickly. Um, so we, those folks who are eligible certainly need to be ready for it. Um, they also, part of the bill, said that every grantee that received a public health emergency preparedness grant for fiscal year 2019, that they are going to be getting more money. In fact, they shall receive not less than 90% of the grant money that they received in 2019 as part of the award that went to the CDC. So if you were a recipient of that grant last year, know that you'll be getting at least 90% of that. And when you, um, to get that money, you're going to have 45 days from the adoption of the act to provide your, basically your budget to the CDC. So if you don't already know about that, wanted to make you aware of that. Um, one other thing I'll point out as part of the bill um, that's more grant funding related is there is um, 100 million um, made available to the Health Resources and Services Administration for their primary health care. Okay, so this is grants under a program called the Health Centers Program, mm -hmm. um, which is to prevent, prepare for, and respond to the coronavirus. So that's a public health grant funding that's going to be made available as well. Okay. And um, Amanda, I just wanted to jump in and say, if, if I think that's uh, certainly super pertinent if you are seeking funding for a federally qualified health center, right? That could be where you, that is doing primary care. I would think so. And that's, I where, would think so. that's where you could jump in and do that. And I, I also wanted to suggest um, if you could, if you would, my dear friend, um, we've, I know I, I went over a lot of the CARES Act there, um, but I also know that you have some websites and links rather on where to find the full act itself. Are there things that you wanted to sort of pick and choose from that list that might apply more to local governments that I didn't cover in my whirlwind tour through the thousand page document? Um, no, yeah, see, since that one was a thousand pages, I did, have not had time to no, peruse right? that. Right. Uh, one thing I will say about the COVID-19, uh, the stimulus package bill, um, mm -hmm. the PDF I'm going to provide a link to in the show notes, it is so lovely because on the right-hand side, it it gives you keywords that say grants or cooperative agreements <laughs> or deadlines. <laughs> so it was very easy to skim through and find the chunks that you were looking for because of those keywords in the right-hand side of that PDF document. Nice. Nice. Um, I, I'm not sure if the CARE Act has that as well. I haven't taken a look. I, you certainly provided a much more comprehensive overview than I would have had. Um, you know, there's a lot more into it uh, as far as like with the healthcare. Yeah. Um, it limits some liability for volunteer healthcare professionals. It's prioritizing some of the Food and Drug Administration's review of certain drugs. So mm -hmm. it really does. There's a reason that bill's so big. It's it's doing a lot of things. Um, I will also point out this really isn't grant related, but I think something that affects a lot of us, whether you're in school or have a a family member who is. Um, when it comes to education, it's considering uh, temporarily suspending payments for federal student loans, <clears throat> which could be very helpful for Yeehaw. some folks. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, and it's also authorized the Department of the Treasury to temporarily guarantee money market funds. So, wow. You know, okay. Where, uh, just, there's all kinds of stuff in there. So, yeah, yeah. I'll provide a link. Um, like you said, if you go to congress.gov, there's a place where you can put in, you know, 
key searches, if you know the, the number of the bill or if you know who sponsored it, where you could be able to find it and you can kind of follow it along as it goes from the House of Representatives to the Senate to the president and how, you know, what iteration of um, the bill is in at the time. So and I'll that, make sure I'm, I get those links. And that was congress.gov, right? Yes, congress.gov. For it's once, the main site. I'm, I'm, and I'm just thrilled that usually .gov addresses are about four miles long. And I'm like, way to go, y'all. Congress.gov. Like, like grants, like grants.gov. I know you've spent a lot of time on grants.gov and have found some grant opportunities related to COVID-19. Yes. Look at you providing that perfect segue there. Um, Girl, it's so free of charge. I- <laughs> well, and that's because that was my first thought. I'm like, surely I could just go to grants.gov and I can type in coronavirus or COVID-19 and it's going to give me every grant that is available specifically for that. So I went, I did that and I got back about 50 responses and I thought, great, there's 50 funding opportunities right now specific to this. And turns out that was not the case. Um, oh. There are a handful of grants in the system that are specifically for COVID-19. Um, one I will point out um, through Health and Human Services, there is the Hospital Association's COVID-19 Preparedness and Response Activities. Okay. And so they're giving out $50 million that's going to be available to the 53 different hospital associations. Um, So there's one for each of the 50 states, Mm -hmm. one for the District of Columbia, New York City, and Puerto Rico. So that makes up the 53. Um, And so this is a cooperative agreement to help with some disaster relief um, related to COVID-19. But I will say that... uh, of just that I quit COVID-19 search on grants.gov. That was about the only one I saw that was specific, at least as of today, Thursday, sure. March 26th. Um, most of the other ones that got picked up were grants that had already been released, but there had been maybe some additions made as a result of COVID-19's outbreak. Um, some of them, you know, because of it, they were extending the deadline of the grant. Um, and so that's how that keyword got triggered. Um, some of them just had, you know, added more information of maybe things you were able to do with the grant funding due to the outbreak. Um, So just know it's not just that the COVID-19 is causing new grants. It's also altering some current grants that are we're working on probably as we speak. Right. So um, I would say another way outside of grants.gov, I spent a little time looking at some of the different um, federal websites Um, and as can be expected, um, Department of Labor, Department of Health and Human Services, and the Centers for Disease Control, they are certainly starting to put out grants specifically in response to what is going on. Um, Department of Labor has a grant program called the National Dislocated Workers Grant Program. Um, It was hard. Their website just had a quick um, press release about it. So I will give you a link to that press release. But basically all it says is, hey, we're making money available but there's nothing else about that. But I was able to find the link to the actual grant info on grants.gov. Um, and if you don't know, um, every federal grant has a CFDA number and CFDA stands for the Catalog of Federal Domestic Assistance. Um, it's always a five digit number. Um, and so for this particular grant, the number is 17 
0.277. So if you want to go to grants.gov, one of the top searches you can put in there, it's like the third one down, is CFDA number. So type in 17.277 and you can get to the link about this National Dislocated Workers Grant Program. Um, they're making $300 million available. They're expecting to give 150 grant awards and the awards can be between 150000 and $25 million. Um, and so the money is available to states, to local workforce development boards, Indian tribes, and some other groups, okay? And it's there's no current deadline. It's just a rolling solicitation. Um, so it's just kind of as you submit, um, they'll assess them and decide whether or not to award. And I have a feeling they'll probably just keep doing that till the money runs out. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So I did find um, pretty much every federal website, when you go to their main page, they're going to have something that says coronavirus or COVID-19 news. Um, it's worth checking out. Um, I found, for instance, on the Department of Justice website, while they don't have any specific grants um, for what's going on, they did a blanket announcement that any grant that is due to them between March 16 and March 31st, they are automatically giving you a two-week extension. Nice. So that was kind of them. Um, on the Department of Education website, um, I think we've mentioned this before, but um, the CARES Act is thinking about doing some temporarily suspension of federal student aid. Um, but even before the CARES Act happens, it is possible to um, kind of press pause on your loan payments. Um, they call it, you can have your loan placed in administrative forbearance. Um, and so the way that you do that is you'll contact your loan service for more information. Um, and I'll provide a link um, for the Department of Ed's website on all of that. I just okay. feel like I need to jump in and say, this is what we know as of today. I just want to say it again. Yes, and, I know. Um, and Amanda has, has, she has pulled all these fantastic websites, but please keep in mind that what we say today on March the 26th, 2020, there could be things that change by Friday or Monday or next week or two weeks from now. We're just trying to give you an overview of what's happening right now and then point you in directions of good quality, trustworthy information that you can use. Yeah, because chances are, even if the information gets tweaked or changed, you're still going to be able to find it at the places we're talking about. So at, at the very least, you at least know where to go to find the information you're looking for. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, we'll give a link to the CDC. Um, they've got tons of details on um, funding opportunities related to COVID. So I'll provide that link in the show notes as well. And um, aren't you, don't you also have some, um, maybe these are things that we could just put in our show notes too, like... Um, different state websites that actually are tracking information about the spread of the cases yes. and the demographics. There's, I know you have one from Georgia and Washington yes. state and the CDC. So yes. I just, you are just awesome. I am so proud that you want to spend some time yammering with me because you are <laughs> on it. My data queen, my data queen. Well, you know. We're grant people, so we're data geeks. Now, I'm guessing that probably for most of our grants, we're not having to convince anybody that this is a problem. Oh, so no, I'm really? We don't need lots and lots of data. But let's just say that, that you, you know, do. <laughs> say that you do, say that you're trying to convince maybe there's a local government that's thinking about giving a grant, but they're not sure. If you need any points of data, it's good to get some current information. And so I just, again, was just kind of playing around and, um, the Georgia Emergency Management Agency, um, which is basically, you know, we've got 
the United States Department of Homeland Security that handles homeland security and emergency management and all that kind of stuff. Most states have a similar mm-hmm. agency. Yours could be called something totally different, but in Georgia, it's the Georgia Emergency Management Agency. And I found that they are providing um, on a daily basis numbers re- um, of people infected by COVID-19 um, by breaking it down by county um, throughout, which is helpful. In Georgia, we have 159 counties, which is crazy, a but lot. we have a it's lot. It's crazy. We don't know why. It's, it's crazy. So, but you can see the breakdown by county, um, by age group, um, by male versus female. And it's not just the data, but they have some charts and graphs to help you get a visual representation. Um, and, you know, it, Maybe it's a, maybe you have a family member that lives somewhere and you're curious just, you know, how safe are they really? Um, So that may be the only reason you want to go check. But think about looking at your state's, whatever your state's emergency management agency. Um, You might also want to look at your state's um, Department of Health. Um, I went over to the Washington State Department of Health to check things out just because we know there's a lot of cases um, in that state. Um, And they also are sharing information based on confirmed cases and deaths by counting and as well as age of, of people confirmed as well as deaths by age groupings. Um, and they're also sharing information on the number of people that have been tested, showing how many have been positive or not. Um, so on their website, as of March 23rd, um, 93% of the people that tested were negative, which that was 31,712 people, which is awesome, right? But that also means that 7% that tested were, were positive for the disease. And you can't, um, just, you can't see me, Amanda, but I'm like waving my hand because we can't see yes. each other, y'all. And so if it, sounds like, if it sounds like we're talking over, it's because I am. But I also wanted to say, if you know people who are maybe need a little extra convincing about the seriousness of following these things. These websites are state websites. They are not associated with necessarily with the federal government, if you're, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, and can be a great educational tool to yes. help people understand the, what's going on and what's being, um, what's being done about it. So bravo for you for pointing these things out. Yep. And then, of course, since the CDC seems to be at the epicenter of all that's going on, and rightfully so, um, they share all kinds of information and are updating it, I'm guessing, pretty much daily. Um, As far as numbers go, um, so as of March 25th, which uh, was Wednesday, there across our country were 54,453 total cases of um, the virus reported and 737 deaths. Um, And what I found interesting about all this is they were also sharing how the disease was spreading. So of the 54,453 people that have have tested positive, they know that 584 of them were from people who had traveled to other countries where the disease was and and gotten Mm -hmm. it there. Mm -hmm. 986 people were getting it due to close contact. So you, you know, you were right up front and personal with somebody who had the disease. Y'all stop it. Just stop it right now. Stop I it. Know. Stupid. Uh, anyway. What's scary to me is the remaining 52,883 cases. They're, they don't know exactly yet what, how they got it. Wow. Um, and I'm not, wow. I know. And, 
and it could be, you know, it could be one of those, I guarantee you there are people that are, have gone to the grocery store and the person who touched the cart before them had it. And then they, you know, it's, I've gotten pink eye that way once. Um, so I, I, I mean, I know how germs spread. So Ooh, Amanda. Um, that was not fun. Um, but also can't complain compared to no, this. No, no, we're not complaining. We're not, no. say, we're not saying those are equal. Y'all don't, don't no. add us. We are not saying that's yes. equal. She's just giving you an example. Yes, but it just, it's, you know, we, there's just still so much that I think we don't know. And well, so hello, just like back. 90, more than 90% of the cases they don't know so yes. where it came from. And I'm like, Hey, and those are just the cases we know about because here in Georgia, we don't have a lot of testing, but um, anyway, thank you so much for pulling all this together. Oh, no problem. Well, and I think it's just a point to go back to our episode that um, aired on Monday is just safety first at the end of the day, you know, and I know it's frustrating. I'm wrapping up week two of trying to work from home, get my job done, do the podcast, make three meals a day for my family, help my two children with homework, keep them entertained and nobody going stir crazy. And yeah, and the governor of Georgia just extended no school until April 24th. So we we still have another month of this to go. Um, and it can seem daunting and it can seem ridiculous, but the reality is it, it needs to be done for us to be safe. And I just try to keep that at the center of my mind of me staying in. I'm keeping not only myself safe, but anybody else I would have come in contact with. And so we just, we need to hang in there and everybody do what's right. And, and I'll I get also, box now. <laughs> no, no, well, no, just step aside because I'm going to join you on that. And it's like, okay. and we also, we want to hold up all the people who don't have the choices that Amanda and I have, who are having to go to work either because of essential functions or because if they lose their job, they'll lose their house. We just want to hold the folks who are the emergency responders and the people in need and know that the kind of work that we all do, the kind of work that maybe brought you to this podcast in the first place is the kind of work that can help these folks. So we need to yes. protect others by please, please stay at home. And if you can't stay at home, um, just know that we are we are so thankful for everyone who is collecting the garbage and getting the mail out and checking out our multiple packs of dried beans and rice at the grocery store and all those things. We just it's it's yeah. I think that we just have an incredible opportunity to come together. And one way that we can through um, through our grant and fundraising and development work is staying abreast of these funding opportunities and funneling them and helping people access them. I think that's just one of the best things that we can do right now. I think that's true. And I know we just shouted a lot of stuff at Ooh, you. Hello. It felt like drinking straight from a fire hose. Mm, tasty. Um, so information overload, but just know that there's information out there. Know that there are websites you can go to. Um, and We've got you covered. Right. Absolutely. Um, and we, again, we are committing to as much as we possibly can updating um, our list of links, but we also only want to put things on there that we've checked out and known. So it could be that you go get our links and bookmark them and then go back and check them yourselves. We are doing these ad hoc podcast episodes as we can and as the spirit and data move us. So um, we, um, we were thinking about another topic for these sort of bonus emergency episodes that Amanda's going to tell you about. 
Yeah. Next week, we'd love to share some stories about how nonprofits or businesses and individuals are finding ways to come together safely for the Mm. greater good, um, because we know there are some amazing folks out there that are going above and beyond, and we want to celebrate that, kind of take a moment to, instead of talking about the gloom and doom, talking about how how just great the human race really can be, right? So, um, and really, at this point in time, we could all use a little bit of good news. And maybe some of this good news will help fuel your own collaborations in your own government or nonprofit agencies to pull together and um, figure out different ways of serving that makes sense in these challenging times. And we would love to hear from you if you have any stories to share with us or links or ideas about or things you have seen or heard of about these kinds of uh, good works coming from folks working together at a safe social distance to um, to better serve during this crisis. If you could email us at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. Y'all know it's fundraisingheyday, H-A-Y-D-A-Y at gmail.com. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we really, really want you to be well and do well. And I really hope something good happens to you today. Okay? We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.